Hello, and welcome back to the Bi-Week Podcast. This is episode six. This episode's going to be a heater, so make sure you stay to the end and listen to all of it. Some of the things we're going to talk about today are quarter season awards. We've seen five weeks of NFL football, and we're going to talk about what players deserve each one of the awards up to five weeks in this football season. And then we're going to move on to waiver wire ads. You know, week six is the start of bye weeks, so waiver wires are starting to become very important, and we're going to talk about what players we think are important to pick up off the actual waiver wire. And then we're going to talk about last week's game picks. You know, last week we talked about every single game and who we thought was going to win each one of those games. And now we're going to look over how well we actually did in predicting those winnings. And then we're going to move on to this week's game picks. So exactly what we did last week, we're going to look over every single game from the Thursday night slate, Sunday, Sunday night, and Monday, and see who's going to win each one of those games. And then we're going to end it with just some news. You know, there's been a lot of stuff happening. Roger Goodell talked about maybe NFL Euro, having a couple teams over there. And we're also going to talk about just some concussion protocol. There's been a lot of concussions this year, along with other injuries. And we want to discuss that at the end of the podcast. Awesome. So we're going to start with some quarter season awards. Cole, would you like to start? Yes, sir. And I'd like to start with the obvious for MVP. I think this should be, a no, it's a no-brainer for me. It's Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen, he is currently just playing the best football of his life. The Buffalo Bills are really hitting their stride now. They absolutely decimated the Steelers this week. You know, they had that tough game against uh, the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. He has looked like a new man since, and he was playing phenomenal before. He even played well in that game, and he's been playing phenomenal after. I, I have Josh Allen as my MVP up to this point because of the way he's got the Bills looking and the way he's leading that team to just runaway victories. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have Josh Allen as my uh, quarter season MVP as well. He leads the league in passing yards and touchdowns thrown. Patrick Mahomes, we haven't seen him play yet tonight, but uh, I even still think Josh Allen is going to be leading those stats. And Josh Allen has thrown for two 400-yard games. And even in that loss to the Dolphins, that was a 400-yard game of his. Um, And even fantasy-wise, he leads the league in fantasy points scored. But, I mean, Allen just looks so effortless this year, so I have him as my as my MVP. And that makes sense, and I think there's a, a fair argument for that, and Josh Allen's very much due. But I think you can also make an argument for Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar is the most valuable to his team, I think, compared to Josh Allen, if you think about the award like that. I mean, you got to look at the weapons and the defense around Josh Allen, how stacked that super team is, and then look at Lamar's Ravens. They're not that great. Their defense is weak. Lamar is more valuable to the Ravens than Josh Allen is to the Bills. And that's why I kind of think that Lamar has a fair path to winning the MVP this year. Yeah, and, you know, I am I feel like if we were talking about the season as a whole, I can really see that Lamar Jackson argument. But up to this point, I've just been more impressed with Josh Allen, seeing as he is leading him in all major stats other than rushing yards, but which is a big, big thing. But I do like your take that Lamar Jackson is having to do a lot more carrying. Because Josh Allen's got a great team around him. He's got a super team. I mean, like, I feel like, but if you took Josh Allen and put him on the Ravens, he's still balling out. But I don't know that if you put Lamar Jackson on the Bills, he's doing necessarily as phenomenal as Allen is right now. Yeah, I agree. I think Lamar is definitely more of like a system quarterback kind of guy. But I mean, what, I don't do, you know about what do you mean system? I mean, well, I, I think that well, he he has a very specific <laughs> playbook, right? You yeah, can't you can't take Josh Allen's playbook and give it to Lamar and expect him to perform the same. I actually disagree because Lamar, I feel like Lamar, Lamar, Lamar is such, a, such an improviser on the field. Same with, I mean, Josh Allen, I would not call either of these guys Yeah, but I'd say 
the way almost, they, the almost fifty percent of Lamar's play calls are runs. The way Lamar, the way Lamar is That's out there, he, he improvises. That's what I'm saying. No, but Lamar improvises. The pocket breaks down around. He doesn't care. He gets out. He runs. He gets out in the pocket. He's able to hit run throws on the run. He's able to take run take the ball and run downfield. Lamar is not a system quarterback by any means. Tom Brady is a system quarterback, right? You you build a nice system around him, right? Because he had a great system in. Uh, New England, and he's got a great system down Tampa, and he's able to stay in the pocket, hit his throws. He's a super talented quarterback, but he's one who needs a good system around him. That that's I think that should be you know pretty. Well, I think obvious. what Tom Brady going to Tampa and winning the Super Bowl was proving that he wasn't a system quarterback and that he didn't need Bill Belichick. No, I'm not saying he has to. Yeah, be but a Bruce system. Arians puts him put him in a different system. Yeah, Bruce Arians work. is a really good yeah. offensive coordinator, and so extremely I, good. And you can see now with Todd Bowles, they're not doing as well. Yeah, Brady's struggling this year. The second yeah. you take Arians out. He also retired and has a multitude of other things going on. All right, well, whatever. We're, I, we're I, getting I, off task We're right getting now. off task, but, I mean, okay. Anyway, uh, I could make, I agree that Lamar could end up being the MVP yes, this year. that's what it comes down to. And also just think of, like, I think a common misconception is that, well, the Ravens aren't playing that well. You look at their two losses. It was against the Dolphins, which was a crazy comeback that was all on the Ravens' defense. I mean, Lamar couldn't have done anything else in that game. You guys have to agree with that. Yeah, yeah. he, he that balled was, out that, that game. That was an insane comeback. My only concern with Lamar is the turnovers. He has five picks so Josh far Allen's this year. Josh throwing picks, too. Yeah, Josh Allen has four picks, which I just I just saw the stat. But I mean, Lamar does have more picks and has been notoriously a worse passer. But like I said, Lamar could definitely win the MVP this year. Yeah, and speaking of rushing, my offensive player of the year. So okay, for me, the offensive player of the year really comes down to two guys. I have Saquon Barkley and I have Justin Jefferson. I give the edge to Saquon Barkley. He has almost seven hundred all-purpose yards three touchdowns, and he is one of the main reasons why that Giants team is 4-1 and one right now. This is a Giants team no one expected to do well. Saquon had very low expectations for him, and he has gone back to his rookie year form. He is balling out. He's the number one running back in fantasy right now. For me, he is my offensive player of the year because no one else right now is having the impact on the game as he is. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. I have Cooper Cup just because... Kind of sneak peek, I have Saquon Barkley as my comeback player of the year, so I didn't want to put him offensive and comeback player of the year. But I do think Cooper Cup could also be an argument for offensive player of the year. He's leading receivers in just about every metric once again this year. He's only down by 20 yards um, to Justin Jefferson uh, in the receiving yards race. But I think Cooper Cup has been more consistent. He only has one game under 50 receiving yards, while Justin Jefferson has two. And Cooper Cup also has more touchdowns on the year. So for me, my offensive player of the year is Cooper Cup. I think those are both valid takes, but I have neither of them on mine. I have mine as Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb leads the lead in rushing yards, yards after contact, yards per carry, and touchdowns. Nick Chubb is having an insane season, even for Nick Chubb metric, and he always has insane seasons. He's averaging almost six yards per carry, which is just absolutely crazy. And that offense is really not strong, kind of like the Saquon argument. Nick Chubb is that team. And he's so consistently good that if he keeps these numbers up, even without his receiving game work, he could be offensive player of the year. Yeah, that's like you just said at the end there. That is my one like little nick on uh, Nick Chubb is that he doesn't have that receiving upside. So, you know, his all-purpose yards are always going to be a little lower than other running backs. And as for Cooper Cup, I love the take. I think Cooper Cup's a super talented guy. But right now that Rams offense is not producing at its fullest. And even yesterday you saw... He didn't have the best game of his life. He had one really nice long touchdown. He had a nice one-handed grab, ran it all the way down the field. 
that was super awesome. But other than that, he was pretty marginalized in that game. You know, the Rams had to look elsewhere. Allen Robinson finally started getting involved. Tutu Atwell had to start getting receptions. And so as I really do like Cooper Cup, and I 100% could see him taking the offensive play of the year. I'm just looking at the first five weeks of the season, which is what we're doing. I, I would just simply say that I have Saquon over him, and I have Jay Jettis over him. Yeah, to be fair, I think all the players we've talked about and even our runner-ups can all end up being the offensive player oh, of the year at the end of the year. And you guys also have to just factor in voter fatigue. Like, it actually is a thing, and people are not going to want to vote for Cooper Cup as much as you would think just because he won yeah, offensive player of the year last year. That's fair. And just a factor also is that Cooper Cup's targets are just so high that he's always going to be good no matter what. It's just the way it is. And by the end of the year, I have no problem saying he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. I think that's a good take just because he's always going to have that 10-plus targets literally every game. So he's going to get those yards, he's going to get those stats, and he's going to look great at the end of the year. Yeah, and so moving on to Defensive Player of the Year, a guy who I've been really high on is Nick Bosa, tied for the league leader in sacks, has over 20 tackles now. He's been absolutely balling out. I really like him for Defensive Player of the Year. Just because you know that 49ers defense is finally starting to come alive, I'm I'm 100% behind Nick Bosa winning the award at least through these first couple weeks. Nick Bosa was my runner-up for this award, but I actually gave it to Micah Parsons. Yeah, that's a that's a good. Team. I ha- I have Mark, Micah Parsons down too. He's he's t- he's tied with Nick Bosa for the most sacks at six. Uh, he has one forced fumble and 19 solo tackles, and he overall just looks the most healthy, dominant, and unstoppable edge rusher in the league, in my opinion. But it's not I even th- an edge rusher, but or, well, yeah, outside yes. linebacker, whatever you want to call him. I mean, Nick Bosa is definitely a close second for me. But just watching Micah Parsons, what what gave him the edge over Nick Bosa for me was just how powerful he looked. He just looked so like so athletic and. I don't know. <laughs> I completely agree with what Vig's saying. And I also just think that Micah Parsons has a bigger role on his team and is more valued on his team. Like, Micah Parsons does everything Nick Bosa does pretty much on the D-line. And he also plays coverage. And he also guards cornerbacks. Yeah. Not cornerbacks. Receivers, yeah, yeah. tight ends. You know what I'm saying? So I think that Nick Bosa is a clear argument. But Micah Parsons kind of does what Nick Bosa does and more. So I think Micah Parsons is my leader for offensive player, defensive yeah. player of the year. And I really like that take, but that does you know come down to being a linebacker. You're not always going to get a lineman who has to come at you. But yeah, I really like Parsons. And I really think this year the defensive player of the year ballot is going to come down to those two with uh, TJ Watt. He's unfortunately kind of out of the running. He's going to miss like you know too many games to make up for that. Miles Garrett's missing a couple games right now because of that car accident. Really sad, but you have to fact that in when saying like, that's probably going to affect him in the defensive player of the year voting. So, yeah, I think this is a two-horse race. Just a quick little note. I don't think he's going to win it, but a little sleeper for the pick defensive player of the year is Pat Sertan. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on him. He's been playing amazing ball. He's been locking up serious wide receiver ones like Devontae Adams. And he's, he's just been playing all great all season, almost as good as pretty much every other cornerback in the league, like Jalen Ramsey, Jair, maybe even better this season. So I think if Pat Sertan could keep it up, he could be in the question, but I still think it's Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa. Yeah, moving on to our Rookie of the Year. Uh, Cole, what do you have? All right, for my Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think this is a pretty popular take, but you know, there's definitely room for debate here. But I have Chris Olave. He's top 15 in receiving. He's number 11 in the league with two touchdowns. He has a Saints offense actually looking pretty well. And even with Michael Thomas as... Uh, in his absence, which 
I feel like is the best thing for Olave because Michael Thomas is very similar guy to DeAndre Hopkins in the sense that they just demand a ton of targets. And so that's going to take away from other receivers. But with him out, Olave has really stepped up and he's shown that he can be a wide receiver one for that Saints offense. I also have Olave as my offensive rookie of the year. Like Cole said, he's top 11 in receiving yards and he's top three in air yards. He's been the most consistent rookie all year and his team relies on him the most compared to other rookies. You can make the argument for other rookie receivers that have been playing great, like Drake London, you know, Garrett Wilson, but none of them have the, the role and impact like Chris Olave does on that Saints team. And that's why I think Chris Olave has the edge. He also just has that massive upside with those air yards and he's top 11 receiving yards, which is just huge as a rookie. Yeah, uh, I actually have, I don't know if this is far-fetched, but I have Damian Pierce as my offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Chris Olave is a, definitely a close second to me, but I think Damian Pierce has made more of an impact on his team. Uh, he's fourth most rushing yards in the league, sixth most attempts, and tied for the fifth most touchdowns scored, and has already established himself as a RB1 fantasy-wise. So I think, I mean... I just think he's been more influential on his team, which is why I'm taking him over Chris Olave. But Chris Olave has also been balling out. He's hard to ignore. I think Tyler Smith is also a valid pick for this, but we can oh, move no, on to... Oh, no. An O-lineman? Yeah, the O-lineman for the Cowboys. See, I, I love that take. But I know an O-lineman's not yeah, going to yeah. win it. That's the thing. That's the thing. I love O-lineman, but they just don't get those. Like, yeah. yeah, and I was just like trying to give Last year, it would have been Creed Humphrey if we were really talking about yeah, the best true. offensive rookie. I was just trying to give him a little recognition because he's been playing yes. amazing, but it's pretty much impossible respect, for winning award. Yeah, so let's move on to defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Quinn, you want to start? Sure. I ha I think this one's pretty obvious. I think it's Devin Lloyd. Yes, sir. Steal of the draft, I think. He has he had six tackles against the Colts, 26 tackles on the year, uh, and has recorded two interceptions. He just seems to have made the most impact on a team where last year the Jaguars were pretty deplorable on defense. Uh, especially at the linebacker position. And I think Devin White has truly become a leader of that defense and has made quite the difference. Yeah, and as a Jaguars fan, I do love Devin Lloyd. So, of course, I'm going to have him as my top defensive rookie of the year. But to fight the allegations that I may be biased, I also put down that I have Sauce Gardner. He has been absolutely impeccable this year. He's been locking down wide receiver ones. And, you know, for a guy who wasn't even the first cornerback taken this draft, I think the Texans have to just be kicking themselves. Like Stingley's great. I think he's going to be an elite corner, but Sauce is really showing that he was the best. Sauce corner. has been playing very well. I also put Sauce as my defensive rookie of the year. He just plays so mature for a rookie. He looks like he's been in the league for six plus years. He looks like a veteran, honestly. And also, teams just don't want to throw to him. He is so good in coverage. He's been going at some serious wide receiver ones, like you've been talking about, and played amazing. Also, still hasn't let up a touchdown all the way throughout college <laughs> and the NFL. He also looks really impressive from cornerback blitzes, like that hit on, on Teddy Bridgewater that oh, like, knocks yeah. him out of the yeah. game. I mean, you can see he's really versatile. He's not just good in coverage. He's quick. He's a great tackler, and we can see that. Yeah, he, he's adapted to the NFL defense as well. That's not something all corners are able to do, and it's often a struggle is, you know, you have to go. It's the same struggle quarterbacks have in the sense that all of a sudden you've got way more complex defenses. It's hard to sometimes adjust, but Sauce Gardner really, like, like Blake said, he's just mature, and that's the best way to put it. He knows where to go. He knows the coverages he has to play. And when it comes down to it, 1v1, if he has to, he can lock up just about anyone. And I just, I never see any of those rookie mistakes out of Sauce. He just, he seems like he's just always prepared and always knows what's happening. And it's, it's great to see from a rookie. Just finally, a quick note, because I think we all have the same answer. 
comeback player of the year? Saquon. Saquon. I have Saquon too. I, I think that's the only argument you can take up to week five. You know, he's really the only person that you can talk about. Other people, Michael Thomas, but he's not even really playing. I mean, Jameis, he's not even really playing. It has to be Saquon. I don't really know who else you could say, so Saquon it is. Yeah, he's honestly the best running back in the league right now. I think, like, overall, he's the best running back, right? Nick Chubb may be a better runner because he's leading the league in rushing yards, but Saquon has that uh, receiving ability as well. So I think overall, he's the best running back in the league. And just watching him recently, I forgot how athletic and explosive that guy is. He's so hard to tackle. Oh, yeah. And there were so many questions about will Saquon ever be the same, but it is crazy how good his comeback is. He, he literally built for this award. This comeback is honestly insane. He's just he's playing like he did in 2018, and he looks just as fast, just as quick. And I think he should for sure win the award. All right, so let's move on to waiver wire ads. Like I said, week six starts buys. Lions have buy. Raiders have a buy. Other teams also have buys. <laughs> yeah, we forgot. Okay. We, we almost right. forgot coach of the year. Sorry about that. Uh, I think this one's kind of obvious. It's Brian Dable. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're I don't have four, I don't have them. Four and one start. I mean, this, is, this Giants team had an over-under of five wins going into this season. And they have already tied their win total from last year and 20, uh, 2019. Sorry. So, I mean, he's really turned around the culture of the Giants. He's energetic. He's enthusiastic. And he has really won over this locker room. I have him as my coach of the year. Yeah, and I have Dable as a really good coach. And he could definitely win it at the end of the season. But as of right now, when you're through five weeks, because that's what we're really talking about here. When you've gone through five weeks and there's only one coach who has not lost a game yet. That's the coach I'm going to pick for coach of the year. I, I, I know it's great and all to talk about how these coaches have changed their teams, but at the end of the day, we're talking coach of the year. The coach that is undefeated, Nick Sirianni of the Eagles. I think he's far and away been the best coach so far, i.e. the 5-0 record. I, I can see arguments for other coaches, but at the end of the day, he's who I've got to go with. Yeah, I also have Sirianni. I can see arguments for people like Doug Peterson. I think Dable's up there. But it's for sure Sirianni. Like Cole saying, they're 5-0, and which is insane. And also, the Eagles, even though they have an amazing roster, they were doubted in this offseason. People never really put them up there with the Chiefs, with the Bills, with the Bucks. I guess you could say they're up there. But they are one of or the best team in the NFL. And I think a lot of that is from Sirianni. He has great play calling, and he showed his team is top caliber and maybe even the best in the league. I mean, I could see the argument for Nick Sirianni, and no doubt he's doing a great job so far. But the Eagles were a playoff team last year. So, I mean, when you look at the Giants, they have not made the playoffs in over five years. And for a team to already have tied their win total from last year within the first five weeks, I think is more influential. Yeah, I, I really like that take. Okay, now, Blake, let's go on to <laughs> yeah, waiver yeah. wires. Sorry about that. Now let's go on to waiver wires. You know, buys start week six. So there's some, some real players you got to think about picking up. I'll start. So my quarterback waiver wire ad I have is Daniel Jones. Like Quinn saying, Giants have been playing some great ball. Even though the receiving core is horrible, Daniel Jones makes up for it with his rushing upside. I think he's a viable streaming option just because you can see now the Giants are going to be in games. They're going to be having to throw the ball. And Daniel Jones is great with his feet. He scores rushing touchdowns. He's good on option plays. That rushing upside is amazing for fantasy, and that's what you want. That's what gets you the points. I think Daniel Jones is for sure a waiver wire pickup. Yeah, I really like that take. I think Daniel Jones, and like Quinn was, yeah, as we were saying, that <laughs> offensive team is just, they're they're new there. This is a new New York Giants. 
another waiver wire pickup I have is he's kind of underrated. He's very, very few leagues to, are, is he rostered. And right now, all you do is pick him up, put him on your IR. But I have Gus Edwards because, you know, he's coming back. He's been on the pup list since last year, and he's been on it for the first couple weeks of this year. He's expected to make a comeback next week. And J.K. Dobbins right now has been taking the full workload of that Ravens offense. But I could see them starting to work in Gus Edwards because they don't want to work J.K. Dobbins to death like they did last year. Yeah, That's what happened is he gets injured. Same thing happens to Gus Edwards, except his was kind of more of a freak incident in practice. But the point remains, the Ravens are going to have a secondary running back there. And I'm not saying this guy is going to be insane. But what I'm saying is you pick him up, put him on your IR, wait for him to get back to healthy and you know being back in the league. And I think he could be a solid just keep him on your bench, a stash. Maybe Dobbins goes out for a week. Maybe they start using Gus more and more in that offense. I like him as a pickup. I mean, I don't mind it, but I don't know if I can necessarily agree with it. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has so much more potential than Gus Edwards, and I'd rather I'd rather take a guy who's— I mean, two years ago, we, we saw what this offense looked like. They were like 65, 45, usually, like— there was there was there was a mostly a split. It was a committee. Yeah, and I'm, again, I'm not saying you take him over. Yeah, J.K. but that's Dobbins. when that's when J.K. Quinn, Dobbins was a was a rookie, and that, they also had two other viable running backs. I am not saying you take him over J.K. Dobbins. I'm saying you pick up Gus Edwards and just keep him on your bench. Maybe they do go to that like backfield committee. I don't know. But what I'm saying is you t- you pick him up and just store him on your bench or on your IR because that's a good place to put him. Again, I, I actually tell everyone. Do not start Gus Edwards over J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins is the better player. But I'm saying if you need a good guy to put on your bench as a rotational running back, Gus is the guy. Okay, that like like I said, that's fair. I just think a guy like maybe Dontrell Hilliard could be a little better. He gets a lot of receptions and is an excellent hand handcuff for Derrick Henry. I'm sure Derrick Henry is bound to be out for maybe a week or two this year. And uh, he might he may not get a lot of carries, but Dontrell Hilliard has three touchdowns on the year. I know that's not good for a starter to be touchdown dependent, but in case Hilliard does need to come in for Derrick Henry, he's a great start. Yeah, that that's fair. I and mean, they also have Hassan Hoskins in that backfield, which could make it a little interesting if Derrick Henry were to not play. But another person I have as a running back waiver wire pickup is Deion Jackson. Depending on the health of both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, Dion could be that RB1 in the Colts' offense, which you know loves to run the ball. He will split some of the carries with Philip Lindsay, but but he is way more involved in the receiving game, which gives him more pass opportunities and more fantasy points. So even if they do split, Dion is the way to go. Yeah, I like that take. Uh, watching the Thursday night game, that running back looked fairly explosive, so uh, I think he is a good option. Uh, sticking with the Colts, I have Alec Pierce as a waiver wire pickup. Uh, the last two weeks, he's had 12 points and 16 points, and he seems to be developing a connection with Matt Ryan. He seems to be the at least the wide receiver two on this team, might even develop into a wide receiver one. And I could see this guy turning into a hun- Hunter Renfro uh, from last year, and it just seems like this guy only knows how to catch the ball. He went eight for nine uh, in that Thursday night game uh, against a fairly good Broncos secondary. So I like this guy to stash him on your bench. Yeah, I also love Alec Pierce. I have him on my list, too. He has 60-plus yards in three straight games, and he has actually cemented himself as that wide receiver, too, in that offense behind Michael Pittman Jr. Catch, he catches many of his pats in the slot, which is also great for fantasy just because that floor is high. You know he's going to get, even if the targets are not far, he's going to get that five or six catches every week, which is great for someone like a flex option just trying to get those points. 
And he's also, you know, an amazing route runner. We've seen Hunter Renfro be awesome in the end zone just because he's an amazing route runner. So we see the same thing with Alec Pierce. He could also have that touchdown upside, but we'll make him a real fantasy viable starter. Yeah, and kind of picking off the idea of a young guy who can be a viable fantasy starter at the wide receiver position, I have Devin Duvernay. Only still only rostered in less than a fourth of leagues, but he's actually been really impressive. Last week, he had a career-high seven targets, and that's following a week where he had a career-high five targets. And mind you, in the first three weeks, it, he only had two, two, and four. So he's really impressing now. And he had, he's getting carries on the ground game. He had, I think, three car- yeah three carries for 24 yards last night. He had five receptions. He's really starting to become kind of one of those very dependable receivers in that Ravens offense, which is not something you often see from the Ravens because they're not really a team known for having great receivers. I think right now Devin Duvernay is a great pickup for your team. I like I like that take a lot. I I didn't realize he was uh, rostered in less than a quarter of leagues. That seems kind of wild. I would definitely go pick him up. He dropped twelve points uh, this past week. His floor has been six points, which I mean for a wide receiver too, it's not that terrible. So yeah, I like that. I like that take. And also Bateman's been fighting injuries. So yeah, when Bateman doesn't play, he is that wide receiver yeah. one. I mean, obviously he's still second in targets behind Mark Andrews, but. He will still be that guy that Lamar needs for the deep threats. I also have Hayden Hurst as a tight end waiver option. He's at number, let me just say, Hayden Hurst will stay as that number two target in the Bengals offense as long as T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are both banged up. Um, He's also, that Bengals O-line is very weak, so Joe Burrows need to get the ball out quickly, which is exactly what Hurst catches, those out routes, those seven-yard slants, stuff like that. So I think Hayden Hurst is someone great you can stash on your bench or if you have someone injured like Kyle Pitts or... Someone on by, you can for sure start him. Yeah, I I don't mind that take. Sticking with tight ends, I have Taysom Hill. This guy's the definition of a boomer bust kind of guy. But in most leagues, he's a tight end slash quarterback. So in a game like this past, where he like he dropped thirty seven points, where he had like three like three or four total touchdowns. He had a throwing touchdown and like three rushing touchdowns. I don't know. It was wild, but. If you have a tight end on by or who's maybe injured or if Taysom Hill has a good matchup, I don't know. Might as well start him because, I mean, his ceiling is clearly, I mean, extremely high. Yeah, he's that Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Like, he's a guy who can pop in, play quarterback, but you're still starting him at tight end in fantasy, and your league mates might hate you for it, but, you know, it's a smart move for you. Um, Another guy who I have that actually, okay, I'm going to do something a little different here. I'm going to say a waiver wire pickup I really do don't think you should fall into the trap of picking up and that is James Cook he, he had a good week this week he had a pretty cool touchdown in the game but I really don't like James Cook he only had four carries and that is in a game where they absolutely blew out the Steelers that's a game where he should be getting uh, multiple digit carries but he's not he got four one of them happened to go for a touchdown so people see oh he he got 10 points in fantasy and he oh he had the super cool touchdown I don't care. Don't pick him up. Like I always say, I need consistency from my running backs. If my running back is not getting consistent carries, I don't want anything to do with him. I know he's rostered in only 35% of leagues, and he's probably available for a lot of you. Do not pick him up. I 100% agree with that take. I was looking at his stats, and he only had four carries this past game. He's clearly fighting uh, for that RB1 position. He's fighting Maybe, for that RB3 yeah, position. Yeah, exactly. Not even fighting with for that Devin RB1 Singletary. Position. And that touchdown was late in the game where, I mean, the Bills were playing their backups. I don't like uh, him as a waiver wire pickup. And there's rumors that Christian McCaffrey might be going to the Bills. So 
I wouldn't pick up, like, I don't trust any Bills running back. I mean, maybe Devin Singletary right now, but I did see today that the Bills have contacted uh, the Panthers for Christian McCaffrey. All right, this is what I think, and it's simple. This Bills offense doesn't like to run the ball yes. at all. Yes. Starting Devin Singletary, who is obviously the RB1 on that team, is questionable, I think. So to start anyone but Devin Singletary in that backfield, <laughs> no, it, uh, it can't happen ever. Yeah. And that's the end of it. <laughs> it's not a smart move. At all. I, I would stay away from anyone in that Bills rushing game. The only, like Blake was just saying, if you're going to start Devin Singletary, don't do it as an RB1. Don't yeah. do it as an RB2. Do it as maybe, maybe a flex. Yeah, maybe. Even then, I'm still leaving him on my bench. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I th- are we cool to move on to some underrated, overrated, and properly rated players? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. So I have made a list of players I think are kind of questionable on whether people think they're overrated or underrated, or I guess you could say properly rated. And I'm going to read them out, and Cole and Quinn are going to tell me their thoughts on it. All right, All right let's start first. Under- underrated, overrated, properly rated, Debo Samuel. Uh, I've gotten properly rated. I think he's a super talented wide receiver, but he also has that uh, rushing upside. And in the end, I don't. Th- I know he's getting a ton of hype, and so I could see the argument for overrated if he weren't to be backing it up, which he has been. He sauced up the Rams. That was hard to watch. And so I'm. I feel pretty confident in saying that he is properly rated as a top ten wide receiver in the league, but not necessarily in that top three debate. I think he's. Currently, I have him on my fantasy team. I think he's slightly overrated right now. He had one game where he really blew up against the Rams. But, I mean, this past week he had under five receptions. Uh, kind of saved his fantasy week with a um, with a touchdown. But So, currently, I think he's slightly overrated. But I think at the eventually he will be uh, properly rated. Gotcha. Just a quick add. I think he could be slightly underrated or properly rated, like Cole said. I think that, you know, like you said, he doesn't get that many targets these days because that's just not his role anymore. He is a running back, but the second he does get those targets, he always makes the most of them. It just seems like even if he was demanding those 10 targets like other receivers like Jettis or Cooper Cup, he would have similar stats to them. And we saw that like last year when he was just insane. I think he was like running wide receiver two on the season. So I think he's properly rated or you could say a little bit underrated, honestly. Yeah, adding on, I think it's just going to take a minute for him and Jimmy G to develop that connection again. It's only been, what, like two games, I think, since Jimmy G has been back. It's been a slow start, but I do think Debo will end up going back to that uh, last year form. All right, next one, Cortland Sutton. Oh, he's severely underrated. Underrated, 100%. He he was kind of a non-factor last year in that Broncos offense. I think Sutton was underrated last year. Judy is underrated. Kind of that whole Broncos receiving core is super underrated. Tim Patrick's underrated too. Ah, RIP the ACL. But yeah, I think Sutton is extremely underrated. There's a reason they gave him that fat contract. You know, they wouldn't do that if they didn't really believe in him. And, you know, right now you can definitely question the Broncos' ability to have faith in guys, i.e. the seven-year Russell Wilson contract. But yeah, I have Cortland Sutton severely underrated. People aren't talking about him as a top 15 wide receiver. And, you know, I can see him not being in that debate, but I, I I feel like he should start at least being talked about. Yeah, he seems to be the wide receiver one on the Broncos, so I'm having him as underrated. He's so extremely consistent, and he has to be underrated. Next person, we got Marquise Brown. I think he's properly rated. I, like, he's kind of inconsistent, 
But when he booms, he booms, right? He has the potential to be a very, very good wide receiver, but he just hasn't quite shown it yet, I guess. Yeah, and uh, really like kind of a reality check thing we're going to have to do here with Marquise is that DeAndre is coming back week seven. Yep. Marquise has one more week of being a wide receiver one, and he's once DeAndre comes back, those all those targets are going to DeAndre. He's a guy who demands just so many targets because he is that just elite wide receiver. And Kyler Murray loves to throw the ball, just huck it down there, just saying, "Oh, go get it, DeAndre." So yeah, I'm I, I have Marquise as kind of overrated, just in the sense that we all know that he's going to fall off really quickly. I have him slightly overrated as well. He was a first round pick, and he really hasn't lived up to those expectations. He was also just kind of a guy you list as a deep threat, you know, someone who's going to really take the top off the D, which he is. But he also has problems dropping the ball. He drops a lot of balls. Yeah. And he's kind of giving, he's kind of getting saved by the amount of targets he's getting this year. I mean, we saw how mediocre he was with the Ravens, even though that offense is not that pass heavy. But, I mean, he's listed as someone who's going to go and run and take those deep threats, but he's not even that amazing at that. And he often drops balls. I think he's a little bit overrated at this point. All right, next person, sticking with the same team, actually, Kyler Murray. I think he's slightly underrated right now. I think, like, people are, were kind of writing him off after last year. But I think this year he's really shown that, I mean, their record doesn't necessarily reflect how good Kyler Murray has been playing, right? When D-Hop comes back, Kyler Murray is only going to be trending up. Uh, so I think Kyler Murray is slightly underrated right now. He's really been the one who's keeping the Cardinals in it. Yeah, I'm going to go off script a little here. And change it. I'm gonna say he's over hated because people are they love to hate on him. They say all oh, that like the four hours of uh, independent study, and they love to meme on him. Like Kyler's become a total meme, and people have just forgotten that there's a reason he was the number one pick. He's a really good quarterback. He has that scrambling ability. He's kind of like Lamar Light, right? And he's got a great arm. And so I I really feel like he's become over hated in the NFL community and. I think the Cardinals have a really good franchise quarterback in him. And so it, I don't like to see that he's getting so much hate. I also think he's underrated. Next person, sticking with the quarterbacks, Derek Carr. Overrated currently. There's no way you are, like, currently they're 1-3. and three. We have not seen the Chiefs versus Raiders game. I'm assuming they're going to lose. Uh, so I'm going with overrated right now. There's no way you can't be successful with Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams on your team. I mean, I, I mean, Hunter one, has one been win out for multiple weeks. He has. Yeah, he's yeah. had a concussion. He hasn't played. Oh, I didn't know that for some reason. But anyway, with Devontae Adams, you guys should have more than a win. Part of that's coaching, but also part of that is Derek. Derek Carr needs to step up. So currently, he's overrated. Yeah, I think. I actually think he's properly rated by the NFL community as a whole, but overrated in the sense of how much he's being paid. I feel like the reputation that Derek Carr has is adequate for what he really is. He's got like a good reputation. He's not known as like an elite quarterback, not known as a bottom feeder, but he is being severely overpaid. I mean, I think going into this year, people were saying this guy's a top five QB in the league and he clearly has not shown it. I mean, oh, top five, ma I, like I over who, know. over who? Over who? Yeah, I mean, like, top five. Who, I'm, I'm not saying he was top a top five. five quarterback. I'm just saying some people, like some analysts, had him as a top five quarterback going into this year. Maybe top seven, maybe, that was maybe top probably ten. probably like Urban Meyer, and he just didn't know who, like, anyone was. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the reports I saw. People 
kept saying Derek Carr, top eight quarterback. He's severely underrated, but he has not lived up to the hype. Anyways, I think this season he is overrated. I think he should be performing better. But over his career, I think he is underrated, just in the sense that he's been consistently pretty good on that Raiders team, has been on and off and mediocre, and he's kind of shown that he's a real system quarterback and he gets it done. I think over his career, like I said, he's been underrated, but this season he's overrated. All right, next person, Tyler Higby. So underrated. So underrated. He's such a good tight end. I feel like he should easily be in that top, top five tight end debate. And he's just not getting the recognition he deserves. And right now, Stafford doesn't have a lot of time to throw because that O-line is you know really bad, super injury prone. And so he's making those quick passes. Higby is such a good tight end. I don't know why people continue to sleep on him. If you have him on your roster in fantasy, you should be having him as a starting tight end. I definitely think Higby is severely severely underrated i think severely is aggressive but i do think he's underrated i, I think he's very much overrated overrated i think he's underrated Thank i don't you. know Thank anyone you. can say he's overrated i think he's very much underrated he's really good blocking he's a great route runner he has amazing hands he doesn't drop any balls and he's just consistently good and especially this year he's having a great year so i think he's underrated up to this point all right next person jamar chase I have him properly yeah, rated. Yeah, I was going to go properly, properly. rated. He's, he gets like a lot of... Point and simple, properly rated. Gets a lot of hype, but he's at least able to back it up. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think he's properly rated as well. I think the gap between him and Higgins should be a little bit closer, but I still think he's properly rated as a top five receiver yeah, for like sure. That. I like that. All right, next one. TJ Hawkinson. Quinn. <laughs> uh, Hawkinson is greatest tight end prospect of all time. Okay, okay, let's move on from that. Uh, Hawkinson, I would say at this stage in his career, he is properly rated. I think people are starting to realize he's not as good as he was projected to be in the NFL. So I think at this point, he's properly rated. He booms some weeks and shows that true potential he has. But in this line's offense, he's not doing as well as his talent. Yeah, I feel like he's just, I feel like he's actually kind of overrated just because of, like, do you get what I say when I say he's a brand name tight end? Like, he's like one of those guys that like a lot of people know of and he's got like a good reputation, but he's really never done too much to back it up. Like, That's fair. He's always just been a perennial like top 15 tight end. He's never become like super, super elite, but he's never become a bottom feeder. Like he's a good guy that the Lions have that I think they're very happy with. But if if I'm in fantasy right now, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm stoked to have TJ Hawkinson because he's really he's really quite overrated. Yeah, he he's decent, right? He's a top ten tight end in the in the league. Like the tight end pool is like pretty small in the NFL. You have like maybe three or four guys who are elite, but TJ Hawkinson is not an elite tight end. Yeah, I think over the years, he's became more properly rated. I mean, he started as a first-round pick, and obviously he hasn't lived up to that. Yeah. But now I think he is properly rated as a as a pretty good tight end. Okay, I would like to propose uh, another person for this. And more specifically, I want Blake's take on it. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? <laughs> um, if, for those new listeners, Blake loves Kyle Pitts, has drafted him two years in a row. He has failed him two years in a row. Blake, what is Kyle Pitts? Uh, I think he's overrated. Oh, oh no, Blake! Oh, I know that was tough. Stick for you to, to your admit. guns. Oh, I mean, I just, I, I, I struggle with like, I, I feel like if, if he was really putting on a show in practice and everyone, 
like saw he was as good as he was, he would be being utilized better. And I'm not sure if he's living up to those expectations. And he's also just like, I don't know if he's has he's just fighting random injuries. And I I don't know if I can trust him as much as someone would have drafting him fourth overall. I think he he should have been better he, even he, last year. Yeah, he he needs to be better for being a top five pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, especially when you've got the weight of being like kind of one of the greatest tight end prospects of all time. You know, he had that legendary career at Florida. It, it hurts me to see him not hit that potential. He's kind of getting the TJ Hawkinson treatment and just the sense of he's like a super talented tight end, but just you have to, in the end, you have to remember like tight ends are tight ends and they're, unless you're like, like, you know, Kelsey wasn't like a super hyped up prospect. Mark Andrews wasn't a super hyped up prospect. They just over time became just super, super good. But, you know, tight ends as a prospect wise, they're, yeah. But at the same time, I just, I know he's not getting utilized well, and it's really frustrating me. I know he has more potential than this. And I, I just wish he was on an offense that knew how good he really was and put that, that talent to work. But at this point, I have to say he's overrated. You can't, you can't yeah. say anything else, Yeah, honestly, unless I'm crazy. All right, next person I have is Geno Smith. What do you guys think? Geno Smith is underrated. He's playing better than Russell Wilson by a lot right now. He seems very mobile, very comfortable, and I'm liking the way he's throwing the ball. I've kind of got him overrated, and almost for that same reason, in the sense that, like, people are starting to act like he's, like, so phenomenal just because he's doing better than Russell Wilson. Like, doing better than a pile of dog turd is not, like, saying much. And <laughs> Russell Wilson has not been impeccable. Geno Smith hasn't been, like, phenomenal. The only time he really had a great game was against the Lions, who have the worst defense in the league. So I, I feel like he's getting overrated just because of everyone comparing him to Russell Wilson, when in actuality he's a, probably like the 25th best quarterback in the league. I, I don't know if – I'm not saying he's phenomenal or anything, but I think I think he's a top 15, top 20 quarterback in the league. But he's, he's not a quarterback I want to be my quarterback next year. Oh, obviously not. But I think he's, he's slightly underrated just in the sense that the Seahawks had, the Seahawks had no potential – this year, everyone's like, "Oh, the Seahawks are gonna be horrible," and he's shown that with the right yeah, coaching. Yeah, exactly. That's what with I'm the saying. right coaching, Geno Smith can be a viable quarterback and can win games and can keep you in close games. In that sense, as for being a, a bench player for seven years, I think he's he's underrated. Yeah. All right. Next person I have is Miles Sanders. All right. This is our last person, right? Or, yeah. Okay. I have him as underrated. People, he doesn't score a lot of fantasy points. But people don't realize he's he has the third most rushing yards in the league this year. Yeah, he's he only that. he's behind Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb, who are the two uh, running backs who are arguably the best in the league this year. People are writing off Miles Sanders as a bum, but I think he's really underperforming. Or, or sorry, overperforming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's aided by that huge game he had against the Jaguars a week or two ago. But even with that, he's still been a phenomenal running back this year. And that Eagles team as a whole has just been great this year. So, yeah, I like that take of him being underrated. Yeah, and he gets quite a bit of touches, too. Yeah, no, each each game this season he's had 15-plus touches, and he's pretty much every game he's shown that he's a real he's a real running back and he shouldn't be treated like he's a bust because he's not. And that Eagles offense is working, and part of the reason is because of Miles Sanders and how well he's playing. Yep. All right, cool. So next thing we're going to move to is last week we talked about we went through every single game. And we talk about which one we think we're going to win and what team we think we're going to lose. So we're going to go over and see how well we actually did with those wins and losses and talk about our records. 
Uh, I did not do very well. I went eight and seven. I'm gonna give myself nine and seven just because I'm assuming the Chiefs are gonna win tonight. But <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't happen, um, that would be a a big bummer. Uh, not a great week for me. Uh, I took L's in the Broncos game, Packers game, uh, the Lions game, the Browns game. Hate kickers. Um, Jaguars game. Uh, I also chose the Rams to win and the Bengals. Lots of one-score games that I missed out on, uh, which is a bummer, but I'm ready to bounce back this week. Yeah, yeah and uh, last week I did I did pretty well, I think. I went 12-3. and three. Uh, One of my hardest L's was Broncos over Colts. I was pretty, pretty sure about that, yeah. especially with how badly the Colts have been, but all power to the Colts. Um, a win I'm really proud of, though, is my Giants over Packers pick. I was really happy to see the Giants win that game. It was one that I really felt like they could win, and I was really, really happy to see them pull it out. I also went 12-3, and three, which I think is pretty good. You know, it's, it's a fair record, and uh, one of the picks I was pretty frustrated about was Jags over Texans. I thought that was kind of a lock. You know, the Texans are a bottom feeder team, and the Jags have shown with their great coaching and their young players that they are a team to be a force to be reckoned with, honestly. But they did take an L in a weird low-scoring game, which was which was frustrating to see. Yeah, they just fell kind of flat that game. Kind of shocking, but um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So similar to what we did last week, we're going to look at every game on the Week 6 slate, and uh, we're going to predict wins and losses. So let's start with Commanders over Bears. What do you guys think? Uh, I think the Bears are going to get it done. At home, the Bears... Uh, Justin Fields has started to look better. His wide receivers kind of sold him last game. Uh, he they were they had a drive to win, and uh, his wide receiver fumbled. Justin Fields also scored like a fifty-five yard run, and his wide receiver got caught on a holding. Uh, I think if the Bears clean a couple things up, I mean this offense is gonna start getting better. Yeah, um, I really like that Bears take. I think the Bears are. Uh, pretty underrated team as a whole just because Justin Fields hasn't been performing. But unfortunately, I just don't see them pulling this one out. I don't think Jay Fields is going to be able to pull it out on Thursday Night Football. I've got the skin, or not the Redskins, <laughs> Commanders in this one. I, I too got the Commanders. All right, cool. Next one, Colts, Jaguars. Um, ooh, this is another tough take. I think Jaguars are going to bounce back. Yeah, I feel like the Jaguars can't take two L's in a row and then keep us up, especially since they beat the Colts 24-0. I, I have Jaguars, too. Bengals versus Saints. What do you guys have? Bengals. Bengals. Bengals, I do, too. 49ers over Falcons. You guys agree? Niners. Yeah, Niners. All right, Vikings, Dolphins. This depends on which quarterback is playing. I'm going to go Vikings. I think e Vikings, too. Yeah. Even if Tua's back, he's not healthy right now. Yeah, I think. Yeah, even if... Bridgewater, like Tua or Bridgewater, I have the Vikings. I have Vikings. Seahawks or Cardinals? Uh, Cardinals. I have Seahawks. Really? I, I really like the Seahawks, but I am going to have to go with Cardinals on this one. I feel yeah. like they're the better overall team. That's fair. Ravens? They, they, they kept up with the Eagles, right? I mean, to be fair, that's the, arguably the best team in the league. To be fair, the Jaguars kept with the, up with the Eagles, and we saw how that worked out for them this week. So I'll, I'll leave that there. How about Ravens-Giants? I think this one can be talked about more than you would think. Uh, uh, as much as I love the Giants. It's the Ravens. It's the Ravens. Yeah, I have the Ravens too. Browns or Patriots? Browns. They have to, bounce. They have to pull out with a win. Uh, okay. 
They have. They have. They should be five and zero right now. As a Browns fan, oh I'm incredibly. So. Okay, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Okay, you can flame me for this all you want, but the Browns have lost two games off of one play, two games off of one play, and then just boneheaded mistakes against the Jets. This team should be five and zero. Stefanski. I mean, at this point, he has to get this team in order, and they have to come out with a dub. With that being said, I'm riding the Zappa train. I'm taking New England. No shot. I actually have Cleveland. I think they need to keep this mediocre record until Deshaun gets back. So uh, I think the Browns stick yeah, this one they out. They desperately need to win. Yeah. All right. So how about Bucks over Steelers? We can skip that one. Bucks. How about Jets Packers? Uh, I have Jets. I'm just gonna say it. I'm going Jets. Why not? Let's ride the Wilson train. Where is this game being played? Does anyone know? Packers. It's in. It's in Wisconsin. I've got it. I've got Green Bay then, because that is. Easily the best home field advantage in all of football. The Packers rarely lose at home. I've got the pack in that one. Ooh, you're kind of. I mean, you're kind of making me flip my flip my choice, but I don't know if Zach Wilson's gonna be able to handle that Green Bay atmosphere, especially with the Aaron Rodgers is pissed right now with the way this team's been. And you, we got to remember the Packers still over five hundred. They're three and two. I know, but the Jets scored like forty points, right? And I mean, it's not like the Giants are. The Giants are a less talented offense than the Jets. Jets are way more and the, talented. And the Giants, yeah, but they're also playing a rather rough Miami defense. And I, I think Miami's got a good D, but they're not like, I wouldn't say they're impeccable, but going into Lambeau. I know, but I'm just comparing like. I'm just not high on the like, Packers. I'm just going to yeah, say I, it. Yeah, so the, I Packers, think the Jets the Packers are, are fine so mediocre. See, I, I know no one's high on the Packers and neither am I. I just, I have a hard time seeing a young Zach Wilson going into Lambeau in beating the Packers there. I I don't. No, and that's fair, and that's why the Jets are the underdog. All right, Rams over Panthers. We can agree? You think the Rams are going to win? <laughs> I know the Rams not. are questionable, Baker but they better win this one. The you know worst what? starting hot, quarterback in the league. Hot take. You can flame me for it next week. I think Matt Rule being fired is going to be a great thing for Baker, and I think this game is actually going to be really close. I am going to take the Rams, but I will not be surprised if this is a really, really close game. That's fair. Chiefs Bills massive game, game of the century massive game. I got Chiefs locked in, no questions. <laughs> Josh Allen is out for revenge after that stupid coin toss. Uh, it's got to be the Bills. I can't see Josh Allen losing this game. He he is not happy right now. He wants to beat Patrick so badly. I'm, I'm taking the Bills. Chiefs have looked better. Mahomes is better. Chiefs are the pick. Chargers or Broncos? Both mediocre. Oh. Chargers. Chargers, Broncos are doo doo. Yeah, no, I take the Chargers too. All right, cool. And that is every game from Week Six late. So wait, next week, no, we, we didn't, didn't do Cowboys oh, Eagles. Yeah, Dallas Philly. Oh yeah, Eagles. Yeah, we did skip that one. The Cooper Rush, or wait, is Dak back? I think if Dak, <laughs> that'd actually be so comical if Dak is back because even either way, I think the Eagles are gonna win. But I think if Cooper Rush does play, the streak is gonna end. I feel like what would happen, though, is Dak might be back, but then they lose the game, and everyone's going to be like, dude, uh, Rush, 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 Rush is Rush. undefeated. Put him back. And then he'll flip, go back in, and they'll go back to winning. Just because this is a hard game, but I, I'm going to ride it. I'm going to ride the Rush train. I'm taking the Cowboys. No I shot. feel like this Eagles, no shot. this Eagles run has to end somewhere. I say it ends against Dallas. I think the Eagles are going to take this one. It's but I Eagles. do agree with your Dak Prescott take that this could be really bad for him as he comes back after not playing for four weeks. 
into this Eagles team, and he might just get blown out, and then everyone's going to hate him and ask for the rush pack back. But we'll see how that works. All right, so is that every game you guys want to talk about? It is every game. So now moving on, why don't we talk about some recent NFL buzz? We got the European division rumors, some new NFL uh, concussion protocol. What do you guys think? See, I just don't understand how this Euro League is going to work. I don't know. I think it's super cool. I love the idea of football expanding to Europe, but I just, I don't see it working. Like, not only are you going to have to, like, have a ton of teams traveling overseas for those games, but just it's expensive. And how is that conference going to work? Because you can't have two teams go over to the NFC, two to the AFC, then they're in the same conference or same division. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And as much as I would love it, I, I just don't see it working out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, like, having a European division, the travel is horrendous. And also, we already know those teams are going to be terrible. Because could you imagine being a first-round draft pick and then from, like, Alabama and then all of a sudden having to move to, like, Germany or something? That sounds terrible. So I just don't think it would ever work. I mean, yeah, I agree. I see how fun it could sound and... How awesome it'd be for not only America to be interested in the NFL and maybe make it the biggest league in the world, but I just don't really understand the logistic part like both of you guys are talking about. I mean, Goodell mentioned maybe making a whole new division over there, which is like four teams, you'd think. Yeah. But then that would make it uneven. Like, how would that work for the NFC and the AFC? It just, just seems like too many questions and then too many things would need to be solved in order for it to actually work. And then it just becomes too big of a pain. Yeah, you'd need to find new team owners, more coaches, more everything. And you have to move all these teams around unless yes. you want to add and eight that's, teams. And let's remember, that's four expansion drafts. And so these teams are like, you know, the last time there was an expansion draft was 2002. The Texans, who were the only team getting to do that draft that year, they ended up being per- perennial, like just crap for like years after that. So now you're telling me four teams are going to all have to compete for a, for the same group of players from a group of players which a team stinks off of at the beginning, those teams are going to be awful to begin with. I mean, yeah, if it actually did work out, it'd be a massive rebuild for all four of those teams, which would make all their fan bases probably hate it for six or seven years. But eventually I could see it working out. There's just so many questions. And also, the more teams you add, it means you're just expanding this pool of extreme talented NFL players. So it inevitably makes every game have less superstar talent on it. Yeah, and so the games won't be as fun. It's yeah, just, ju- just the way it works. Just in general, it ju- it just it just doesn't make sense. There's it no value. Like a, There's no value. I mean, think like about it like this. I mean, the NFL. Yeah, it is a money grab, and it, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, the league could get massive if that happens. It's a huge market. Europe. Yeah, it's a huge, yeah. huge market, and it's really untouched. But also, got to think about it like this. Like, imagine the NFL draft, and you add four more teams. All those people drafted are going to be split out way more. I mean, the no, players I, are not going to be as good. Yeah, I I like. I think we're all in agreement. It's just, it's not going to work. It doesn't make sense. Love it in theory. Don't like it in practice. Plus, also, you have to think of like, don't. Would you say that you want to keep the NFL like an American thing? Yeah, that's the point of right? the NFL. Is it Amer- America? Like, it's is it's something we have for us, right? Yeah, like the the British people get the English Premier League. Germany gets the Bundesliga. We get the NFL. It is ours, and I don't want to share it with anyone. We're already sharing the NFL and MLB and hockey with Canada because Canada sucks. <laughs> Let us keep football. <laughs> football is America. I think the one cool like, opposite side of what you guys are saying is what if one team in the UK or wherever the team is, Germany, becomes really, really good, and then they're going against the Rams or something, and it's like a massive 
UK versus versus America, like that could be a fun little rivalry. But at the same time, I, I see what you guys are saying. It is kind know, of but that's American like sport. Twenty years in the future. Yeah, yeah. these teams are gonna be. Awful. It, just, it just takes so long to like develop everything. And also, the players hate the travel. We all know I that. Know, no one, no, like that's why there's only like two or three of those games every year, is because no one likes to travel that far. Yeah. Yeah. It's too hard on the players. We already need to get rid of Thursday night football. I mean, there's so, so many injuries on Thursday night football. It has crippled so many players. I think it's terrible. All right, cool. Do we want to talk about concussion protocol and just uh, the I think we're concussion all in injuries? That, that that's a good thing, right? Yeah. I mean, what happened with Tua uh, is incredibly unfortunate and the concussion protocol is i mean the update is definitely needed yeah like but also saying, why do you think s there's so many there's been so many like neck injuries and concussions like bad hits so far this year like it just seems like chris alave came off the field very weird to uh there was that a uh, lions player who got yeah severely Renfro. injured it just seems like like players are seeming to get more injured than less injured with these new helmets and I completely agree, but I just don't even know what to point to. I honestly think it's a coincidence. It's, I mean, it's so confusing. The league is more than ever cracking down on targeting and roughing the passer. So it's not like all of a sudden the players are like wanting like out for blood. Like that's not happening. Like I don't see anything like more intense or more damaging than previous years. I honestly just think it's a coincidence and that these players are getting more head injuries just the way it is. Yeah. So I, I'm, but we're all in agreement. So the concussion protocol. While Tua's injury is definitely scary and unfortunate, the silver lining is that the NFL has looked into this concussion protocol and has expanded it now. Yeah, they made the right the right uh, move after their investigation. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up episode six of the Bye Week podcast. Now we're going to peace out from Blake Shield, Cole Roberts, and Quinn Kyle. Peace. <laughs>